Blog Talk Radio. of Extraordinary Paranormal Women present Para Women Radio. No silly girl talk about makeup and clothing here. <laughs> no, sir. These dark darlings, Christy and Amy, delve into the bizarre, the strange, and the supernatural with other extraordinary women in the paranormal. And now, here they are. Amy Williamson, and Christy Robinette. Hello, welcome to the League of Extraordinary Paranormal Women. I'm Amy, and with me I have Christy. Christy. Hi, I'm here. I can barely hear you, though. You can barely hear me? Now I can hear you. It must have been our great spooky music. It's professional to start talking before the movie ends, or the... The music ends. The music ends, I know. Yes. I know, but okay. I still couldn't hear you. But I can hear you now. Hi, good evening, everybody. <laughs> How are you doing? I am tired of complaining, so I'm going to say that I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Can't complain too much. And uh, I'm glad it's Thursday and almost Friday. I'm Yay. really happy that it's Friday. Yay. Yeah, I really am thrilled. This weekend, would you have anything planned this weekend at all? Um, no. Well, just no, Friday me. I have some plans, but other than that, nope. Um, no, I don't have anything either, and I'm really excited about that. I have to play catch up on some of my readings, and I have a whole lot of writing to do, and I have a test to do for, I have an echocardiogram that I have to get done on Saturday, but other than that, I am pretty excited. I like these kinds of weekends when I don't have anything to do. Yeah, I like them too, but if I get too many in a row, I get bored. I don't think I have any. Yeah, I, don't, I typically don't have a boring life. I don't yeah. know if that's good or bad. Well, that's good for you. Good for Scorpios. Scorpios get bored easily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I wanted to let everybody know that we are on Yahoo Instant Messenger as Parawoman League. If you want to add us, you can do that. And if you have any questions during the show, you can IM me and I will ask our guests. You can also join us in our chat room that's located on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. And you can get to that through our MySpace page or our page on the World Wide Web. I'd give it out the blog talk page, but it's too long. <laughs> it's pretty long. It is pretty yeah. long. Yeah. It's, we've got that on our um, League of Extraordinary Paranormal Women web page, though, right? Yeah, so I put the page on the Wide that. Web. Yeah, I said yeah. that. <laughs> I'm not, like I said, I'm not complaining, but... No, I'm really, I'm not feeling well in my concentration. I'm not even, like, surfing the web or anything. I'm staring, actually, I'm staring at my beautiful voodoo doll from Divine Doll. But, um, yeah, I am just, I'm just not here. This isn't Hmm. good. 
Well, tonight we have some exciting guests. We have Erin Martinez, and she's going to come on during the 7 o'clock hour and talk to us about her art in blood. And then during the 8 o'clock hour, we have Nick Ritter from the Avalon Foundation. He's going to come on and talk to us about all the UFO activity that's been going on as of late. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that because I've been wanting to talk UFO stuff for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have been trying to do the whole trying to find people who have been abducted or claim to be abducted mm-hmm. or have seen them. Do you have any good UFO? Oh, well, we'll talk about it later. I was going to ask if you had any good yeah. UFO stories. We actually do have a um, female UFOologist coming on in February, so mm-hmm. it'll be cool to hear her spin on things. But um, Nick is really interesting to talk to, and he's very pro-woman. He's actually um, helped Haunted Hillsdale out with their investigations, and he's the scientist we always talk about he is he is the one in the the one in the background that we talk about that we don't always name so nameless scientist (laughs) he's he's our scientist character he who shall remain nameless (laughs) the man in the shadows well tonight at 7 o'clock, and I see she's on the line. We have Erin Martinez, and Erin was born on October 11, 1979. As a gal of 12 years old, who would have thought that painting on my room walls could inspire me to paint for passion? I remember painting on anything I could get my hands on, and it was rare since I had no money at this age. So I painted on my walls. My room was a gallery of ravens, poetry, trees, dreams, and anything I felt or saw in my mind's eye. My mother died when I was 12, and I was used, and I used pain to get me through my sorrow. Even at my age now, I feel that she still speaks through my work, along with my dear grandmother, Sarah, who has also passed. I feel that even in their death, they inspire me. I paint my dreams and my nightmares. I paint my life and my fantasies. My art is for the well and unwell, gravestones, ravens, crows, wilting flowers, and trees. The moon, all that I desire, comes through in my art. When I paint a piece, it's like making love. It gives me pleasure to see my hands and mind create art. Wow, that's quite a bio. So let's say hi. Hi, Erin. How are you? Erin? I am here. How are you doing? Can you hear me? There we go. I got scared for a minute there. (laughs) Uh How are you, ladies? Wonderful. How are you? I am great. I'm very good. I'm having coffee. It's super freezing outside, so it's perfect. Super freezing I have been in California. Cold all day too, so. well, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. What'd you say? Super freezing in California. Yes. You know what? For me, I'm such a wuss. Though, to me, 45 degrees is like frozen. So I'm like, oh, but <laughs> I love the cold. And you know what? Yesterday was about probably 70 degrees. It's weird because now it's freezing, and we're expecting like a huge storm. So I'm just I'm trying to go with it, <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, though. How's the weather where you ladies are? It's due to dip in the below zeros this weekend. Oh, look at me complaining about 45. We're going to be in sub-zero. Yeah, and more snow. Yeah, you know, I'm like, mm, I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> yeah, I, I was wondering if you could hear the violins playing while you were talking. Yeah, you're like, you're like whatever, Aaron. You're yeah. like, sure. <laughs> That is hilarious. But you do get used to the temperature, you know, when it's warm like that. It it is def- definitely, you know, to adjust to the temperature when it dips down to that because that's your cold that's normal true. then. Yes, so. definitely. 
I do not like summer. I, if I could, I would. It's funny because when summer comes around, I usually say I'm hibernating because usually you know how people are not, I don't want to say people, but animals hibernate in winter. Right, I definitely, right. summertime, I do not come out until like after 9 o'clock at night. It's terrible. I, I do not like summertime. Wow. And you're in That's California. Hot? And I'm in, go figure, and I'm in California. <laughs> wow. It's I like don't like summertime behavior. either. No. Yeah, I don't like summertime either because I don't like being hot. I don't. I don't like it at all. I'd rather be cold because you can put on a sweater or put mm-hmm. on a jacket. When it's hot, it's just hot, and it's just like, ugh, it's everywhere. And you can't go to the grocery store or anything naked, you know what I mean? So, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, you can, but it's not going to be, you know, uh, pretty, it's not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm because putting on all the clothes, though. So there's that opposite part of it, you know, the whole coats, and you got to grab the mittens and the gloves and the hat and the scarves. And... Yes. It's. I like that. I usually only have about two jackets because it rarely gets that cold here. Right. But when I get to use them, I get very excited. And it's usually for about two days, and you have to put them away again. So, but. All the woes of being us, right? We're yeah. never happy. We always have to complain. <laughs> Look at me complaining already. It's not even five minutes into the show, and I'm complaining. Erin, <laughs> yeah, I thought your voice was going to soothe the headache. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's right. You're like, it's making it worse. I know. You know what? And I, I feel like I'm catching a cold, so my voice is just shot. I'm just like, ugh. It, and it's really high pitch. I shouldn't have. Because you it's probably, so cold there. It, <laughs> you know, you got to take care of yourself. Exactly. You probably, she probably, or was it Amy? It was Amy, right, that I was speaking to earlier about, remember? Yeah. Like, my voice was soothing. Well, you're probably just like, not that soothing. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, I don't know what you were talking about, Erin. <laughs> Uh, she listens to my naked voice all the time, so it's like, maybe that's why you always have headaches. I don't know. Yeah, well, you never yeah, no. my headaches, though, with your voice. Aaron did. No, I never did. No, no. You <laughs> you gave some pretty high. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, once you hear my voice, your headaches will melt away. She's like, it just got worse. <laughs> See, it was a positive thought. So that was, yeah. you know, it's all about the thought that counts. That's true. I was trying to be so positive. So we've seen your art. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, how Thank different. Thank you. Thank yeah, you so very, much. It's very unusual. You know what? And I, I feel so sad because I have a gallery a gallery show coming up in May, that, and I can't – I have about 30 pieces that I cannot show, and I wish I can show you. And it's it's so hard because I want to keep it a secret until May, but the pieces wow. I have up there so far, I'm really pleased with, and my art's just progressing every day. It's It's amazing. What so. sort of medium do you paint with or you, do you paint? Like you mean like uh like material wise like what kind yeah of, uh-huh. I use I used to actually paint on wood all the time and wood to me felt it was like a good you know it felt usually when I paint I have to be inspired by something whether it's a, a dream a nightmare and so you know I when I dream I dream a lot about wood I don't know why but I always dream about either trees or tree stumps wood so I used a lot of wood to paint and I would paint on wood plaques or I would find you know, this sounds really gross, but I'd be walking by, like, a dumpster, and I'd be like, hey, there's a piece of wood. I'm going to pick it up and, <laughs> and paint on it, unless there was some garbage on it. But um, usually I would paint on wood, but it's been about a year since I've painted on wood, and all I've been using is canvas. Canvas is just really striking to me lately. I love the way it feels because it's um, there's different types of canvases. There's silk canvas or cotton canvas, and cotton canvas has really captured me, and I'm really excited about it. 
Hmm. So all the 30 pieces that I have for the show in May are all on canvas. There's not going to be any wood, which is a good thing. Oh. Yeah, Why? but I use acrylic. Um, I do use acrylic and oil. Sometimes I'll mix them. But it's just, uh, and sometimes I'll throw in, um, you know, I'll use, like, mixed media, like if I have lace or depending on what I feel should go into the actual painting. Like uh, this, my last show, uh, I used a headless bird that I got. You know, you just go to Michael's. You can pick up any little fake bird. You know the ones that they have there. <laughs> what and I um, fake? <laughs> <laughs> not a real bird. I would never do that. I love animals. <laughs> but, you know, uh, so what I did was I chopped the head off, and I put it on a plaque of wood. And um, so just weird little things, whatever I feel like I can use, I'll use. Hmm. I don't know quite what to say after that. You're like, uh, wow, Aaron's kind of crazy. Stop <laughs> that off of that little oh, wait, bird. And... You, you take the bird and you mount it on wood? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll paint okay. it black so it's a symbol, you know, it symbolizes a crow or a raven. And the raven and the crow have huge significance with me ever since I was small. And it's, like, it was actually really weird not to change the subject really quick, but when I was a little nervous for doing the show, I'm really nervous for anything. So I opened up my window about 20 minutes before the show, and a raven flew by my window, so it made me feel so much better. Aww. So I was like, okay, it's going to be okay. I can do it. <laughs> Aww. But, yes, I use, I cut off sometimes their their heads. Wow. So, Aaron, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Erin, you're, you're like, asking uh, in the in the chat room what sign are you? I'm a Libra. Okay. She's a Libra, guys. I'm a Libra. <laughs> you're asking if you're an Earth artistic. sign. If I'm yeah. what? If I'm. If you're an Earth sign. I'm uh, air. Yeah, air. I am air. Libras are typically very artistic. Yes. So. Definitely. I you know what? And I've every Libra I meet. It's really odd because I heard that there's actually different types of Libras, like there's a type 1 or type 2. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what type I am. I just know I'm the type that when anything's out of balance, I completely just lose it. I have to have balance of, of, of good and, and just being like a – I guess I'm a creature of habit. I like everything consistent. Like when I sit down to paint, I have to have like my drip cup just in its right place. I'm really weird like that or just – there has to be some kind of balance or else I just, I can't paint. It's weird. It's Are you really more weird. in the early part of September than Aaron? I'm October 11th. I'm. Oh, October 11th. That's right. Yeah. I you're the latter part. Oh, you know what, Christy? I thought you were going to say, are you in the more early stages of OCD, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's another topic. Let's get on that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Cause we can talk. We can definitely chat about OCD if you would like. <laughs> <laughs> my husband's OCD. It drives me You know crazy. what? That's it's crazy. <laughs> I think yeah. everybody has some sort. Like I have to vacuum twice a day. That's mm. my, you know, compulsion. I have to vacuum I no matter. I love what. vacuuming. Just the sound of a vacuum makes me very happy. I'm like so emptying out the container and seeing all the stuff <laughs> that I vacuumed. Wow. You're like, oh, that's interesting. I lost that a month ago. No, because, no, it makes me feel clean. Like, because now the house is clean. All that stuff's been getting, gotten rid of. It's, it's, I know exactly how you I feel. Don't look I love the it. Dirt. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're like, I'm not taking stuff apart. I'm like, it's okay. No, right. You. <laughs> I'm cleaning. But I think everybody has some sort of an obsessive compulsion. Everybody does. About. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true. Aaron, do you actually, you don't actually paint with blood, right? No, I don't. A lot of, a lot, I, if I can tell you how many people email me daily, like, ooh, you know, is, well, you know, do you use your blood? Is it animal blood? And it's like, no, it's not blood at all. And people sound really disappointed when they find <laughs> out I don't. They're like, well, that's a jip. <laughs> but it's, it's not, it's more, um, it's symbolism for me. Um, when I, it's not like I even chose a name. It's almost like it just kind of popped in and it was just like art and blood because every piece I do, I put every bit of my life and my everything I have my almost like a, like you know this the saying you know I put my blood sweat and tears into all this it's, it's I put everything into my art I put my life it's like a reflection of me when you look at my pieces that's what I'm going through you know sometimes you'll see a headless crow and usually symbolism with a headless crow is sometimes in life you know when we feel you know times are hard times are rough and you're you don't think you can make it but you still kind of wake up and go through the motions that's what a headless yeah. crow symbolizes mostly in my work. Like you're just getting up and going through the motions. You're still alive, even though you feel like you don't have your head on straight. So whenever you see a headless raven or a crow in my in my art, that's basically what that is. I saw um, a fun. I heard a fun fact yesterday. Um, it asked, "How long can a cockroach live without its head?" And the answer is ten days. And the only reason it dies is because it can't get water. Wow, that's that's awesome and scary at the same time. <laughs> Are you 10 days? Poor thing. Yeah, I, I know. I online to see what the raven symbolizes because I'm, I'm very drawn to the Native American belief. And I'm looking on this website and it, it's saying that ravens are associated with magic and healing and they're believed to have the power to guide the healing process, bringing about a new reality and getting rid of diseases and illnesses and any men- mental illnesses that are prohibiting you from taking new steps. And yeah, and the raven also flies up into the other world and brings the magic that you're sending out there to the other that world. That's absolutely correct. So, and so with me, the the oh, raven and the crow is my is my birth animal. So uh-huh. I believe that you know, in my beliefs, it's with me, it's with you when you're born, and it's with you when you die. So through your mm-hmm. whole life, it's it's with you. I believe in a lot of spirit animals also. And so just the fact that, you know, ravens are, I mean, you'll always see a raven in my art. I mean, in every piece, I, even if it's the tiniest one, you'll always see it. And it's it's just, you know, every morning when I wake up, um, I see ravens every day, daily. So I think, you know, a lot of people look at ravens and crows. And if you were to ask my, you know, my family, they think it's, well, now that they know about it. but Or if you even ask a lot of people, they think, you know, ravens are a sign of death or sickness or doom and it's really not I think the raven and the crow have gotten you know a bad rap for that poor guys and they probably don't even know poor thing (laughs) poor little birds (laughs) but they're very smart animals very smart so tell us um when you were younger what what prompted you to just start painting well I used to well I've always been when I my mother died when I was 12 I was always creative, and I think she knew that I was special, um, you know, before she died. And my mother actually felt that she was going to pass. She would always tell my dad, she would always tell, you know, you know, you need to go on when I die. And my dad was like, I don't want to hear it. That's untrue, blah, blah, blah. And I was always fascinated with the darker things. Not not darker things. I don't want people to think I'm, you know, Satan worship or anything. But just like, you know, uh, I loved vampires, uh, you know, darker things like, you know, more of like 
like gothic movies and my sister wanted to see Rainbow Bride. And I wanted to see, <laughs> you know, I love watching autopsy videos, like st- things like that. So my I mom love knows, those too. Aren't they amazing? I <laughs> yes. I love them. <laughs> I love them. I love yeah. that. See, I, I like so that Dr. G man, that Dr. G medical like examiner. Yes. Oh, it's so good. That's awesome. Totally off topic. Sorry. So we get. No, that's okay. <laughs> and so uh, my mom died when I was 12 and I was full of such pain and sorrow and just, I couldn't really grasp the fact that she was gone. I was young. I was 12. And I will never forget the actually being at the funeral and looking into the casket and seeing her there. And when I saw her there, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is a curse because I'm adopted. I'm also adopted. So I, I think I've always kind of carried it around with me like, okay, I was adopted. Obviously, my mother gave my biological mom gave me away for a reason. Then I, you know, this wonderful woman who is my, I consider my blood mother, she dies on me at 12 years old. I felt kind of robbed, just like this is a really bad situation. But then I kind of felt like it was a little bit of a blessing because my art just completely bloomed. I started uh, painting on my walls. I started, you know, poetry, writing. Uh, I, I just started creating things, and it, it was just like almost like I, I was born then and there, if that makes any sense. But her it her death inspired on. me to completely paint. And you can see a lot of it in my artwork. So that's how I got to paint. Because that, that was the only reason why I wanted to paint, because it's the only time I didn't feel, you know, like I was going to fall fall down and just give up. So do you feel like you channel them in a way, or is that their mere statue? You know what? It's, it's weird. When I paint, I almost feel like it's, like, trance-like. Um, it's, it's another feeling. It's like the most peaceful. I feel like I'm in my artwork, if that makes any sense. And I, I paint a lot of my dreams. And when I dream, I dream in still vision, nothing's moving. And the backgrounds that you see in my paintings are literally like the kind I see in, or you see in my, my work, you know, if there's, and, and there's still ravens, like there'll be a raven sitting on a tree in a dream and it won't be breathing. It won't be, there's no motion. It's just the raven. So Ever since I was young, I've had those dreams, and it's amazing to see it actually come onto life on canvas. So it's 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 amazing, really. It's almost overwhelming when I think about it. Wow, you've always dreamt in still vision. Always, yeah. always, unless it's the you know the the occasional oh I'm naked at school dream you know which doesn't right. happen very often. But I I dream and I can lucid dream almost any time I would I want. Wow. Right. So when you um, get the dreams that you're naked in school, do you paint those? No. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone wants to see that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, I just, those, I wake up, and you know what, I wake up so paranoid, like, did that really happen? And I'm like, whoa, that was just a dream. I'm not even in school anymore. So, but I've been I having feel... a lot of school dreams lately, too. Really? Oh, yeah. Are they good I, or bad? They're well. They're not bad. They're just I'm late for class, or mm. I I can't believe I haven't graduated yet. You know. Oh. So I know that when you dream about school, it's, there's a learning lesson that's coming your way, or that needs to be learned, or something like that. Yeah. But you know, like always, I'm like, God, am I still here? <laughs> You're like, what's going on here? <laughs> no, I thought I should have graduated by now. <laughs> yeah, that happens to me all the time. Where I'll usually have dreams about my old house in the. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley which is a little bit away from Los Angeles. I'm in Orange County now, but um, my dad still lives at the house 
that I grew up in. I'll tell you this, that house is the most craziest, and my dad will deny it until the day he dies. I don't care what anybody says, that house is completely haunted. <laughs> something something crazy is going on. When my dad and my mom bought that house, it was, uh, Druids lived there before my dad bought it. Ah. And I remember Ooh. I found a bunch of books in the attic one day that were not that nice. And I remember showing my pals, and they were just like, well, those are weird, and a lot of weird things happened. So when I would paint in the house, um, it was always like an uneasy feeling. So if you look at my paintings before I moved out to Orange County, they're really, they're, I don't want to say disturbing, but they're just, they're not of a good feeling. Yeah. They're not, I, don't, I wouldn't hang them up in my house. Huh. Yeah, kind of scary. Have you sold any of those paintings? No, those are actually still in a box in my storage unit here. I don't I don't know and I I can't throw them away because they have sentimental value but then in 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 a weird way I I don't I don't know it's weird that house was just like a vortex for weird stuff. Crazy. It was crazy. Huh. You use a lot of crosses in your artwork. Yes. Is there a symbolism with that other than the whole saw it's a cross? The crosses are to me a symbolism of no matter what because I like to think of myself, I have like an eclectic spirituality. I, I believe in a lot of different things. I don't necessarily have one religion, but it's always just like, to me, whenever you see, um, sometimes it depends. Sometimes when you see a cross, I usually dream crosses or tombstones in my dream. They're still vision, like it's just still. But usually when you see a cross, it's just that I know where I came from. I grew up Catholic, and it reminds me of my grandmother, and it's just kind of almost like um, like a symbol of, my grandmother inside me still, just still being with me. So the crosses are a, symbol, a symbolism of my younger childhood and just of my, my knowing that where I came from. You know, I'm not Catholic now, but, you know, I, I've learned so much. It has, a lot of, it has a lot of meaning. I think crosses are really Gothic, too, and you mentioned yes. that you loved all things Gath. So. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's, I don't know, there's so many different types of crosses. Usually in my newer work, um, the, the ravens, don't have eyes that are crosses anymore. I wish I can tell you what they have, but I can't until May. But <laughs> but usually the ravens, um, the ravens in my dreams really do have eyes, and they're crosses. They're not eyes. They're actual crosses that are on the raven's eye, like where the eye is supposed to be. Right. So it's really so strange. Your artwork that's sort it. of reminds me of Tim Burton. That's what a lot of people tell me, and that's and I sh- I actually do take that as a compliment because his stuff is awesome. Oh, I know he's wonderful. Have you seen the new movie? Yes, I actually reviewed it for Nightmare Cinema. I do a movie a movie critic where I'm a mad scientist and I'm like a split personality, and I reviewed Whoa. it, and it was hard too because part of me was supposed to not like it, but I loved everything about it. Oh, I have not seen it yet. I should be shocked. Really? I know. I have. Not. Everyone's like, "Have you seen it?" And I'm like, "No, I haven't." And they're like, "What's the matter with you?" And I'm like, "I kind of been in, kind of been in a cave in my cave. Just I've been painting so much lately. It's just oh. what's well, really a visual delight. Like it's like a visual delight. How is um, movies usually are? I could barely hear you. What was that? I said it's like a visual delight. You know, most of his movies are they're they're really nice on the eyes and oh yes definitely beautiful yeah. yeah super amazing you have sold quite a lot of paintings i'm looking at um the one gallery that oh hy- hyena gallery right yeah yes 
Yeah, I think my favorite is The Haunted Sky. Although, Thank you. Although some are very, I love them all. They all have, you know, their own unique quality about them. Thank you. Erin, how did you go about getting your paintings in a gallery? You know what? It's an awesome story, and, and I'm, I never get tired of telling it because it's that awesome. Well, I think it is because I remember for Christmas last year, I wanted a, there's my, I have a favorite artist. Um, she goes by the name of Lost Goat. Her art is phenomenal. She paints on, like, you know, tiny canvas. But even though it's small, it's just so powerful. And so I remember I was Jonathan, and which is my fiancé, we were going through the Internet, and uh, I came across her art at this gallery called Hyena Gallery. And I was like, I want that piece. And it's so reasonably priced, and it's amazing art. And I remember um, the guy from the gallery, his name is Bill Schaefer. He is the most awesome guy ever. He actually, I bought the piece, well, Jonathan bought the piece for me, and he contacted me, and he said, you know, he wanted to do a show with me, that he really liked my art, and it just kind of, got, I got whisked away, and I got an art show last year. It was just like Ooh. it came out of came out of anywhere, and, and now this year I'm having a solo art show, which I'm very excited about, in May at the Hyena Gallery, and um, that's going to be super fun. I'm super excited about it, and it's at Hyena Gallery. That's exciting. I wish we were closer, because I'd I know. Oh, that would be. You guys should fly down. Oh, I'll, I'm no, there. Just get on a plane. I love California. <laughs> we'll just get on a plane like that. <laughs> but um, just by buying a piece of my favorite artist, her, you know, her work, I got noticed, and it was amazing. And ever since then, I, you know, I got this other gallery in Colorado called Raven's Glass Gallery that is carrying my stuff. Also, I've sold stuff. I've been. It's been going good. I feel. I feel really, really blessed. It's going great. So, I'm I'm looking forward well, to the new year. You do any type of getting back to your dreams? Do you do any type of dream interpretation? I know that you can, you know, interpret your own dreams, but have you ever tried to interpret others' dreams? I have, and usually it's been pretty right on. And it's usually been with family members because I feel a bond with my family. And usually, you know, they tell me their dreams, and or sometimes I have dreams that I can actually, like the event happens in the dream. And then when I wake up, I remember it, and I have a dream journal, and it, some of them will actually really occur in real life. And it's mm. kind of scary sometimes because a lot of the times it's not that great. Oh. You know, and it's it's and it, I almost feel like I'm kind of just kind of cursed with that, that I have that ability. But Well, you said that you have lucid dreams. Is there a, a way that you could go back into the dream and rearrange it? It's weird because when I have those dreams, it's almost like I'm a prisoner of my own dream. Like I cannot do anything oh. about it. And I, I try, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a dream where you try to wake up mm-hmm. and then you just can't. And, and it's just, it's almost like when I go to bed, it's almost like, okay, what's going to happen now? You know, what kind of dream am I going to have tonight? Am I, so it, I can wake up with a great dream and I can wake up with one of those dreams. It's like, oh gosh, I really hope that doesn't happen. Or, ooh, someone's getting pregnant in our family or, you know, similar thing. It's not mm-hmm. always bad. And it's right. and the few times it has been, it was just you know kind of scary. But you kind of learn to deal with it as it goes on, and it's good inspiration for my artwork. So, well, I think that your dream ability probably is so strong because you do do so much um, work in your dream time, and then you bring it forward into reality with your art. So I think that right. you're just becoming a stronger, a even more stronger dream worker than most people are. You know what? I'm gonna quit painting. I'm just gonna start dreaming. <laughs> I'm just going to start for a living. <laughs> I'm quitting right now. <laughs> I'll dream your dreams for you for a living. Yeah, exactly. There you go. 
Your artwork's beautiful. You want to share? Keep sharing that with everyone. You know what? I I, I cannot wait till everyone can see my new my new art because it's. I feel like I've almost reached another level, and it's. You know, when I look at my work, it's all I'm really critical of myself. But with these pieces I have, they're actually hanging on my wall now because if they're not hanging, I would lose them or something would happen to them. But it's almost overwhelming when I look at them. I'm like wow, I did this. This is really awesome. It's, so I'm really pleased with this. I'm going to be really pleased with this new show that I have. Can you say if, it, if it's darker or if it's lighter? It's, I can say, all I can say is that it's, it's more, it's more vivid to the eye. It's more, it definitely has a darker side in color wise. Um, okay. It's weird because I guess what I want to say is, like, I'm looking at one piece right now, and actually the one piece I am looking at is on MySpace. You can see that one. But that's it's almost like a teaser kind of thing. It's that big green piece. I haven't even titled it yet, I believe. But if you do get a chance to look at it, um, that one has a lot of color, but there's a lot of kind of things going on, like there's a haunted cemetery and haunted house, and, like, there's a raven, you know, flying over. Oh, that's, one, that's your main picture that you have? No, not that one. That one also, those, it's that one. If you can look at that one, that one is probably, like I'm looking at that one right now, that one's probably the most colorful. A lot of my, I don't know how to explain it. I wish I could tell you. <laughs> Without giving it all away. I know. It, it, it's, it's definitely going to be a surprise for people, I think. I think it's like I've matured in, in painting. I think I've reached another level, and I'm really excited about it. And I can't Have wait you to ever tell. taken any art classes? Never, not one. I taught myself how to play the piano, the violin. I can play basically any instrument also. Oh, man. I'm jealous of that. Aww. <laughs> I'll, send you a, I'll send you a dream where you're, where you're playing the piano. <laughs> I'm so musically inept that it's... Really? Yeah. You know what? I can pretty much... I can, I can hear something on the radio, and then I can play it back. My kid pretty much perfectly. It's disgusting. It's, a it's disgusting amazing. Thing. You're like, I hate it. <laughs> I hate you. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So you don't get the names of the paintings when you paint it then? You don't have a title for them typically? I do, but I, I didn't want to put it on MySpace. Oh. Yeah, but usually... So you've uh, got I, one on the gallery that says untitled. Yeah, that one was actually that called Untitled. Go figure. Oh, it is <laughs> That one was actually named Untitled. Eric. Like oh. I named... I named it Untitled. How, that was, I don't know why I did that. Have you ever like done that, any yeah. commission work? Have you ever done any commission work for I other have. people? Like they, Oh, you have. They I have. I actually have for Lorena, for Yvette. Oh. I have done for oh. her. You, and, you painted sorry, her dreams? Actually, I did, a, I did a mermaid snake for her. And it's usually oh. something I wouldn't do, but I felt so inspired to do it by her. It just... She's so awesome also, and I just I just completely did this huge piece for her that was, I didn't, when I finished the piece, I was like, wow, I can't believe I actually did that, because it's usually not my style, mm-hmm. but I really felt like she had a big influence on that piece, so she has it somewhere on her page, I believe. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't know you did it, though. That's yeah, that was me. That's Guilty. Really cool. <laughs> Guilty. Give that girl a coffee. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she, I know she is crazy busy. I don't know. I thought that we were busy, Amy, but holy cow! That gal is probably oh. busier than 
the president. I think she's a Scorpio, <laughs> so she does the same thing we do. She works herself into, you know, that craziness. And you know what? And you know she what? Has I, all... I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a prediction because I am a psychic after all. I think all right. I'm gonna contact you to do a uh, book cover soon. Awesome. Next, the next six months, I do. I keep seeing that someone's gonna contact you to do their book cover. So really, awesome. You, yeah. All right. Let me know when that happens, okay? I will. I just got asked to do an album cover. Oh, did you? Very cool. Mm-hmm. I'm working on an album cover. I'm very. I got asked about a month ago to do that, but anybody with the book, please call me. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I think call that me. it's going to be more, you know, a gothic, more vampire-ishy, you know, ghost hunter kind of a book. That oh, how exciting! So, yeah. So, so stay tuned. The parallel. I'm excited. I'm going to let you know when that happens. Yeah, okay. Okay. I do. I feel like it's more going to be the beginning of the um, – I don't normally do a reading off the – like I'm doing, so I, I'm apologizing, but they're throwing this at me. I'm, they keep showing around September, before September, July to September, that they're going to ask you. Awesome. Know. I'm very excited. That made my evening. I'm going to have another cup of coffee now. <laughs> How awesome. I'm excited. Well, that's cool about the album cover. What kind of group is it for? It's for, I can't, their music is awesome. It's called uh, Jamie Best and the Nobodies, and it's really, like, melodic. Just Her voice is, she's like a songbird, but the music behind it is, is just amazing. I feel super excited, even honored to just be asked, you know, asked to do it. She's on my MySpace page, too. You can definitely check her out. She's great. So I'm still. Yeah, we're always actually looking for new music to play on the show. Yeah, her music's awesome. You said you had new music too today, didn't you? Yeah, we have some new music um, from Kelly Anna. She um, sings about goddesses and she does some chanting mm. and drumming, and it's a really she's great. Awesome. Yeah. Really excited about it. We've gotten some really good music on here that I could totally see people getting a deal and you know going on and being really famous. That's awesome. Although we've That's spoken awesome. to a lot of people that I think are going to be really big, too, mainly you. Ma- mainly who? You. you. Oh, me. Whoa. Yes, you. <laughs> I'm a who? Who's <laughs> Aaron? Who am I? I don't even know who I am today. I'm, I feel retarded today. Excuse me for saying that, but I do. I feel like I'm just, I feel like I'm, I slept too many hours. Oh, I don't like that feeling. I know. I feel foggy-headed. I'm just like, oh, mm. get out of it, Erin. That's how I feel. But I don't feel like I slept too many hours. I don't feel like I slept enough hours. Oh, you see? You see? Yeah. yeah, that's probably, it's not a good feeling. No, it's not. <laughs> More coffee for me. <laughs> there, you there you go. Coffee will solve it all. You know what? To me, coffee will solve all your problems. Honestly, yeah. it will. <laughs> I think the Java, too. I really like it. I, I even buy the whipped cream so I can do, you know, the whole, you know, whipped cream on the coffee. You're like, I'm making my own mocha or latte. Yeah. <laughs> give, give me the whipped cream. I just want the whipped cream. You know what? So do I. There's sometimes where I just feel like I want to stuff a whole cake in my mouth. I'm just like, <laughs> like today is one of those days where I would really like a piece of cheesecake, but I can't have any. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I know. Oh. <sighs> I I'm hungry. I and get the frappuccinos and yeah. I tell them. But I only want half of the frappuccino and the rest, all all their their whipped cream because I love Starbucks whipped cream. 
Well, you know what? It's it's super delicious. You're gonna just you're like forget. You know, what? just forget the coffee. Just throw some. Whiskey. Just give me the can. <laughs> just give me the can. Yes, seriously. I keep a can at work, and I I squirt it in my mouth, and I think, ha ha ha! If anyone's stealing my whipped cream, they're getting my germs. <laughs> That is hilarious. People still, I can't believe people do that. Oh, like, yeah. I would never steal anybody's lunch unless it was, like, really good. No, I'm just kidding. But I wouldn't, I really wouldn't steal anybody's lunch. Well, somebody stole my I can't believe it's butter spray, so I made up a sign and I said, lost, I cannot believe it's butter spray, please return. <laughs> <laughs> and I put it on the refrigerator. Oh, my gosh. They're probably and like. I you, no one fessed up, did they? <laughs> yeah, no, it showed up, though. It showed up a few oh, days yeah. later. I would, did you use it? of aggression. Did you no, use it? No, I threw like, it away. Yeah, I, I would have completely. I wanted it back. <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> By any means. That's hilarious. So, Erin, do you have a favorite type of style that you've been working? I know, like, um, you said this is, like, really cool stuff that you've been doing, but do you have, like, a favorite painting that you've done that you just look at and you just can't, absolutely can't sell? Yes. I, and I'm looking at it right now, and I really wish you can see it. <laughs> ah! I haven't decided yet, though, whether I'm going to part with it or if I'm going to put it in the show. I'm not – I don't know if I'm going to – Give it in the show, or I don't know if I'm going to keep it. I it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, even a print, because I don't, I don't. Everything I do is original. I don't have prints out, or you know, at least not at this time. I don't want prints. I want everything to be original. And this piece I'm looking at is, I just like you know when you look at something and you just feel like so serene, or you can close mm-hmm. your eyes and think of like that vacation you had, or whatever it might be. This piece makes me feel that way, and it makes it inspires me just to even look at it. So what's and, titled? Is it titled yet? Yes, it is. And you know what? Just for the heck of it, I'm gonna give it out. <laughs> Drum roll, everybody! So I get, so I don't get the show in uh, May just for this. <laughs> They're like, sorry. No, no one will. No, I'm just no kidding. One's listening. No, I'm just <laughs> okay, it's called Beautiful Gloom. Ooh. Aww, I like Ooh, that. yeah. I, it was because it's a stunning piece, but it's so gloomy, but it's just, I want to be there. A lot of people have told me that they feel like they can almost walk into my art or they just want to be there in my art because it's it's almost, mm-hmm. I don't, I want to do it too. And with this piece, it makes me want to just be in there. I want to be in that piece. I see that in your art too. Do you remember, you, you're a little younger than we are. But Am I? Do you remember <laughs> so, the cartoon <laughs> where the guy, the kid wrote on the chalkboard, and then he went into the chalkboard and went into his whole work of art. Simon? I can draw. Yeah. Simon? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. But now I want to. <laughs> now look that up. Google him. I wonder if I can what it reminds me of. I wonder if they I used to do a uh, um, uh, Saturday Night Live skit about Simon, I can draw. Huh. Interesting. I never mm-hmm. up late. I just remember the kids' show of him drawing and then jumping into the chalkboard and becoming a awesome. world of. So that's what your art it does remind me that you can just sort of jump into your art and be there. It's like another place. It's it's somewhere where I wish I can be 24/7, but you know I, I have to go to my 40-hour-a-week job and be a you know a, an operator and ask questions and be. Well, I really hope to quit one day. <laughs> And I hope I wish I hope one day my goal is to have just 
I can wake up in the morning, have some coffee, and just paint. If I can do that, that would be amazing. It'll happen. It'll I hope happen. it does. I hope it does. Do you, um, when you have a show, do you like name the show itself? Usually, uh, last year it was called Blood Bones and Posies because it was a three gal show, and uh, it was blood because of mine, and it was um, Queenie. Queen, yeah, Queenie. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, she's the sweetest girl ever, and she has a, she usually has art parties once a month, and when I go, because I live about two and a half hours from her, but when I do make it up there, it's the best time ever. Yeah, I love when her and um, hideous boy. Yeah, they yeah. do their blogs where they yeah. do their video blogs. I mm-hmm. always watch Those are them. hilarious. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Those are hilarious. <laughs> They're awesome. They're, she's like the sweetest girl ever. She's so talented. Yeah, yeah. And so so I, 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 I actually um, contacted her and I asked to commission a piece, but she was too busy. So. She's a busy girl. She's probably as busy as uh, Yvette is. No. Everyone's busy. I want to be busy. Well, Everyone's kind of busy. busy. 2008 is the is the year of our dreams. So. Yeah. You know what? The year started off awesome. So usually they say if your year starts off good, it's going to be pretty good. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to say. I've heard a lot of people say that 2008 is going to be their dream year, and this is the year they're going to achieve everything, and they, you know, everyone's got this momentum going. It's really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a good vibe. And this is the year that George Bush. No, wait. Yeah, this is the year that George Bush goes out of office. <laughs> it's a good year for everybody. <laughs> that is hilarious. Our year, too. It's Amy and our and my year, too. Things are happening. That is awesome. You, I was listening to a lot of the shows you guys had in the archives. Super awesome. You girls are hilarious, and you guys are – not only are you hilarious, but you guys are super just amazing. I love it. It was. I listened, actually, to a few of them yesterday. And it's just really neat. I'm so honored, actually, to be on the show. So thank you both. Oh, thank you. Well, I saw your artwork off of um, Sacred Sisters, actually, when they profiled you. And I thought, wow, she's got to come on the show because I think it's just amazing that you dream the dream and then you paint it. Have you ever had, like, where you painted something and then you dreamed it? Actually, no, I haven't. And I I await that eagerly because it's only a matter of time, I'm sure that that's going to happen. And sometimes I'll just sit down, and usually what I like to do before I paint, I'll have a blank canvas in front of me, and I'll run my hands over it, and I'll just feel it, and I'll just sit there for a while. And it's almost like meditation almost. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, sometimes I'll just, it's almost just, like I said earlier, it's trance-like. It's, I wish people can feel how I feel when I'm painting. And I try to, I try to put that in my artwork so people, when they look at it, they can feel what I feel when I was in that moment. Do you paint with oils? I paint with a lot of acrylic. Sometimes I use oil. Usually I don't. Usually my main, my main, you know, I use acrylic a lot. Okay. But and oil, if somebody wanted to buy one of your pictures, how would they do that? They can contact me on MySpace or they can go to my website or they can shoot me an email. Either way. They can come to my house. <laughs> I'm like, coffee. wait, I take that back. <laughs> we, you know, every time we have people on, you know, that have that sell pieces, such as Divine Dolls or right. um, Beautiful Candle Maker or, you know, Conjure Oils, which, 
we didn't have them on, but we had the written interview. We always get critiques that everyone wants to spend money. So I'm hoping, you know, Erin needs your money, too. Her I need money. <laughs> so go and buy one of her paintings. It, it Really, it, it's beautiful in, a, in an odd, creepy way, but it's beautiful. Thank you. That means a lot. I really, really appreciate it. And we really appreciate you coming on, Erin. It's amazing. I, I was a little nervous, but actually when you guys first spoke, I was like, this is going to be good. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, I saw and then I saw the raven and I was like, Yay, I saw the raven. <laughs> I do I do think so, you're gonna do very well this year. So uh, thank you, know, you. Absolutely. Instead of yeah. just dreaming, you know, painting your dreams, dream your dreams. And you know what? It's all happening and I, I it makes me sad sometimes because I'm like I just lost my grandmother to uh cancer about almost two years. It's been two years. And um and I wish she could have saw me doing well because I was painting when she was alive but it wasn't like I hadn't gotten noticed yet well and I'm sure I, she's seeing it now Erin I, I know and it's just I know it's and, not the same physically but she can see it yeah that's true I think she would be very excited I think she is very excited for you and your mother too it's amazing they're with you that's why it's getting better bigger and better because they're with you and allow them both to be with you while you're doing it and it will keep getting better because I mean heck those are your support systems. Exactly. Exactly. They're Definitely. Stars for you. So Yes. And when you have your gallery after words you're gonna to have to share it all with us and tell us all the secrets you couldn't yes. tell us. Actually a week <laughs> before a week before the show there's a pre sale that goes on and uh usually last year when I when they put my pre sale up I sold quite a few pieces before the show had even started. So, but I pretty much sold out uh, all my. I think all yeah, all my pieces sold except for I think wow. two or something. But it was just amazing. It was and Bill Schaefer is the most wonderful, sweetest guy ever that I have ever met. And he's such a supporter of my work too. And he really believes in my art. And it just means it just means a lot to me that so many people re- are reacting. You know to something that I used to just paint on my walls in my room because that's the only way I could, you know, get rid of all the pain. And now it's just amazing how people actually have my art in their homes. So it's it's a great, great feeling. Can't but even explain you are, it. you're a sweet person and you deserve that. Oh, well, thank you. Oh. Mm-hmm. You deserve all this. Oh, thank you for coming on, Kelly. Or, um, Aaron. I'm thinking of oh, wow. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> You know what? This has to totally be an inside joke now because everyone calls me. There's this lady at work who calls me Becky, uh-huh. and I haven't even told her that that's not my name. I'm just like, cool, call me Becky. That's fine. <laughs> my, name is Kelly for, my name is Kelly for the rest of the evening, people. <laughs> and uh, everyone, I mean, like complete strangers, I'll say, hi, my name is Christy. I'm going to do print, so I'm just going to have, like, I'm not even going to have a name anymore. (laughs) You've inspired me. (laughs) No, don't do that. Don't do that. Aaron's good. Aaron's good. Yes. Okay, Aaron is good. Thank you, Aaron, for coming on. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you both. It's an honor. Best wishes.
Bye, Anne. I'll talk to you guys Bye-bye. soon. Bye-bye. Wow, I had to fight not calling her Kelly again. Are you, are you Is that horrible? Again? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I was looking at, we have um, some new music, and I was trying to decide which ones to play because I uploaded four, and they're all really good. So I'm like, you know, which one should I play? And then I was reading it, and then I was trying to say her name, and I kept saying, thinking Kellyanna in my head. Sometimes I think demons get in my head, and they say, say this, Amy. I have to talk to Nick about that. Nick might yeah. be a demon out of your head. <laughs> okay, so we do have some new music, and her name is Kelly Anna, and I have decided that we're going to hear Serpent Mound and Kelly Ma. So this is Kelly Anna and Serpent Mound. Steps soft upon the sacred ground. Breath of air, the only sound So much wisdom to be found Here upon the serpent mound Summer corn and bursting fields Harvest time is drawing near Autumn sky so blue and clear Upon these heights release your fear Steps up upon the sacred ground Breath of air, the only sound So much wisdom to be found Here upon the serpent mound Grandmother cedar, ancient oak Sycamore, our silent host Walnut, buckeye, hickory and rustling leaves Steps up upon the sacred ground Breath of air, the only sound So much wisdom to be found Here upon the serpent mound Walk along the ancient road In the footsteps of our ancestors Hear the drums from days of old Dancing through the fields of gold Steps soft upon the sacred ground Breath of air, the only sound So much wisdom to be found Here upon the serpent mound Autumn sky. 
You're invited to a psychic fair, or as we like to call it, the Michigan Spirit and Light Festival, on Sunday, March 9th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Admission is only $4 if you bring canned goods and non-perishables, featuring dozens of great psychics and industry-related vendors from all over Southeast Michigan. Sunday, March 9th at Stage 3 Productions in Warren, Michigan. For directions and information on how you can be one of our vendors, visit www.tangledwishes.com. That's tangledwishes.com. All right, that was Kellyanna, and the first one was the Serpent Mound, and the second one was Kelly Ma. So, Christy, I think, don't you have um, something coming up on the 19th? Um, That would be the Saturday, right? Yep. <laughs> nope, I ended up, I had to cancel it. Oh, okay. Um, because, unfortunately, it was a Law of Attraction class, and I did have quite a few people signed up for it. But I had to get that echocardiogram, and the only oh. time that they could get me in was smack dab in the middle of my class. Mm. So I decided to just reschedule. Oh, okay. But I do have a psychic fair coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the new ad that Wolfman Mac did for us. That was. We yes, have voices everywhere. Vendors. We have 10 to 12 vendors already signed up. So please, we've only been advertising it for three days, so please go to my webpage, singledishes.com, and take a look at that. It's very affordable to be a vendor. It's $55, or um, we're also going to be offering and asking for sponsors, or if you're going to come, it's going to be $5 just to go to it, or if you bring a non-perishable food item, you, you get in for $4. So. Very cool. Okay, I see Nick's on the line. Um, our next guest is Nick Ritter. His background has been, for over 20 years, has been in the disciplines of material, science, engineering, chemistry, solar energy, and electronics. His name appears on two U.S. patents and several publications in the solar PV field. Over the years, Nick has had the opportunity to work with many well-known investigators and authors in the paranormal, UFO, and new science arena, including Bud Hopkins, author of of Intruders, Missing Time and Witnessed, David M. Jacobs, Ph.D., author of Secret Life, and Linda Moulton Howe, Emmy Award-winning documentary film producer and author of numerous books, including Alien Harvest. Nick continues to develop original techniques and instruments that are currently being tested in the field for their effectiveness in providing solid physics-based understandings of anomalous experiences and phenomenon. So let's bring Nick on. Hey, Nick, are you there? Hey, I'm here. Hello. How are you doing? Hey, I'm I'm kicked back. I'm feeling real good and uh, doing quite well. Thank you. You're chilling? I'm chilling. Cool. Yeah. You know what, Nick? I don't think I ever really read your... Um, bio because I was as I was reading it I was like wow he has two US patents yeah well you know and truthfully I I really need to rewrite that bio because there have been there have been a lot of other really interesting really uh top-notch people that I've been honored to have been able to work with and and uh share ideas with over the years and yeah I I do have several patents uh to my name uh, over my years of, of working in the field of solar energy mainly. 
Yep. And Interesting. Mr. Oh, just call me Mr. Edison, I guess. He's our smart guy, Amy. Yeah. Smart guy. <laughs> He's the brains. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Pinky in the brain. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is <laughs> that mean, I that think mean we're you're... so smart. Yeah, <laughs> we're Pinkies. You're Pinky. <laughs> uh, your brain. <laughs> Trying to take over and the world. In the background going, what are we going to do today, Brain? What we do every day, Pinky, try to take over the world. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> so how are you feeling? I know you just had surgery. Oh, I'm I'm doing real well. Uh, I uh, actually spent a couple hours back at uh, the lab today uh, trying to work into it real slow. Um you know, going, back, going going back to work just is no fun. But no. uh you know, I had had a couple hours back there today, uh, getting caught up talking to some of the other people, ordering parts, doing things like that. And I, and I'll I'll be on a part time basis next week too. But uh you know, I'm I'm segueing back into life here pretty uh neatly. And cool. certainly things in the paranormal and uh Particularly, I dare say, the UFO field have not let me become too slack here uh, in these first couple of weeks of 2008, that's for sure. Yeah, what do you think about what's going on with UFOs being sighted in China and in Texas? Well, it's it really is starting out with, with a bang here. Uh, I, I don't know, I guess I don't know what it leads up to or what it means, but... I think overall there was a there was a feeling that I and a number of other UFO tracker types had last year that something something was building and and maybe that's one of the topics we can talk about a little later but uh uh you know we had a hunch that things were only going to increase as far as UFO activity and actually one of uh one of the great Michigan ufologists, Mr. Fiverr, I think, had uh, pegged that pretty neatly back when he gave a presentation in the fall uh, at the uh, uh, the exposition that you and Christy gave and uh, uh, indicated that uh, even the UFO Reporting Center out of, uh, I think it's out of Washington, Oregon, Wherever they're out of, apparently they did confirm that uh, last year, 2007, was uh, at least up, I believe, 30 or 40 percent uh, in UFO sightings from the year before. And so my my sincere hunch is that 2008 is going to skyrocket beyond that. Um, things are truly uh, getting weird, and uh, as my one son put the other night, there are weird things afoot at the Circle K. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that Trevor or Ian? Yeah, that was Trevor. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K, and uh, I, I would believe that. Um, you know, I what I find more curious, uh, or what I find to be more of interest, maybe let's say, is uh, how this is going to pan out with personal encounters with UFOs. I mean, the, the high-profile sightings where you get, uh, you know, a stadium full of people, for example, that see something weird fly over, or people in a little town in Texas that see something strange flying around or over San Diego, whichever. Uh, I mean, that's one thing, but that, 
is only one facet of the UFO phenomena where you've got also the personal side of it, the intimate side of it, where people who feel that they have had alien encounters, either contact or abduction, um, sometimes being a hazy line between the two, uh, whether that whole end of the phenomenon is going to really kick in also. And it, from what I can tell, it seems to have worldwide, uh, or at least here in the U.S. and Canada and some hints in the U.K. as well. Um, but whether these two different aspects of you know, the same phenomena will uh, march in lockstep, I don't know. Uh, it's it's really going to be fun to watch, fascinating to watch. Kind of scary if you don't want to be abducted by aliens. Well, yeah, and, and you know, like I said, there, there is kind of a line between those, the attitude that says, I'm a contactee, I've had an experience, I've had a contact, and uh, I've had an abduction. And, and I think that the simplest difference or the simplest definition of that difference is uh, when you are an abductee, uh, this is something that has not been a desired intrusion in your life. Uh, now, some people do seem to have had very real, very legitimate encounters with something that you'd only describe as an alien presence or an alien entity, but those encounters were benign. Um, you know, they may have been scary at the time, uh, but the whole flavor, uh, generally due to how things proceeded, uh, what information was passed back and forth, the whole attitude, the whole feel, was much more of a positive encounter. But then, on the other hand, uh, you have quite a few people who uh, still you know, tell very realistically and very believably their stories of waking up at 3.25 in the morning and there's a little big-headed cooter standing over their bed and they're floated out to some kind of a craft and poked, prodded, and anally probed. Um, what's up with the anal probing? Yeah, what's <laughs> up with anal probing? What is up? Yeah, I, well, I think anal, anal probing kind of kind of got a, I, I can't say it got a bad rap, because I don't know how you would have a good rap out of it, but... I'd say crappy rap. Crappy, crappy rap. rap, yeah. Um, I think if if you do read back over the literature uh, pertaining to alien abductions going back into the 1980s, you do find, obviously, that, that these entities, whatever they are, wherever they come from, do seem to have what by human standards is a very puzzling and, and generally almost unhealthy obsession with uh, the human reproductive system. Um, I don't know whether there's so much of an interest in people's butts uh, <laughs> as it is just the lower parts in general. Um, they do seem to, they, whoever they are, they seem to uh, be focused on not just the reproductive functions, but, uh, and this is where things get a little sticky and not, not as many UFO investigators really care to report some of this, but uh, whoever they are, they do seem to like to fiddle with our sex lives and our love lives too. 
Do you think it's because they're breeding with us? Well, and you know that I think has been one of the one of the main hypotheses over the years. I think you know that was sort of the tack that uh, a lot of the authors that came onto the scene in the '80s, such as as Bud Hopkins, Dave Jacobs. I think they sort of bought into that and took that tack from the start, uh, kind of kind of looking at the encounters at face value. Uh, and, you know, it certainly is a factor you can't rule out. But whether it is something as simple as trying to breed hybrids between us and them or something more obscure, more esoteric, I don't know. Uh, you know, for a number of years, my, I guess my operating hypothesis about aliens and abductions was was kept fairly fluid because I would constantly come across new factors, disturbing little uh, clues, if you will, from, from experiencers. And every time one of these clues would come along, it would, it would kind of be like a puzzle piece that suddenly doesn't fit right. And then you look at the puzzle that you were putting together and you say, well, oh crap, that one didn't really fit there either, or that one didn't really fit there. And so you got to go yanking a number of them back out and start trying to refit them again. Um, and it's it's a grand and, and strange puzzle. And uh, over the years, uh, yeah, I think I have been able to fit a few pieces together. About three years ago, when I started looking at some aspects of ufology that I had not ever looked into before, looking at UFOs and aliens from the perspective of Western occult systems or Western magical systems, uh, a lot fell into place, and I would say that there were a number of other pieces of the puzzle clicked in pretty neatly, but there are still so many that don't make sense and that don't fit. I don't know as, I guess my own opinion is, I don't know as it's a breeding program as it appears to many of the experiencers to be, and I think so many of them uh, do have these usually rather terrifying encounters with little babies or little beings that they're told are their children. Uh, you know, to me, it seems like that would be a very terrifying thing, whether it's in an out-of-body state or a physical state, to be presented mm -hmm. with some kind of a horrendous-looking little creature and being told, this is one of your kids. That's your uh, kid. Or yeah. knowing that you're not going to be able to care for it, even if it is yeah, molested. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. And now there there are some researchers who have felt that that is that itself is some kind of a screen memory or some kind of a cloaking psychodrama for some other even stranger agenda that's going on. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have. I have a certain hypothesis that's slowly working out of the woodwork about it, uh, and. And we can maybe jump back to that a little later after you've had okay. some other questions. Well, we are getting some questions in the chat room. They're asking what you think about uh, aliens living among us. Do you think that's possible? I think it is personally because I've looked at somebody and they're not quite right. Like oh, yeah. their skin doesn't quite fit or they just look different. Or their yeah, eyes. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and um, even, even as long ago as, as, say, back around 91, 92, uh, when I had just been interviewing and, and working with some abductees for a couple of years at that point, uh, 
I, I found myself on a number of occasions being being pretty paranoid because sometimes uh, it seemed like some of you know, not very many, but a few of the folks that I would meet up with or work with. Um, I don't know if it would be right to say that they had a bifurcated personality, but there were just times when you when I found myself wondering um, who's in control here. Um, now, of course, that you know one has to tread cautiously with that because that would play into the hands of the more skeptical view that says, well, it's all just a mental aberration, and and that people who have alien experiences have mental issues, which I certainly do not believe is the case. But yet, I will no, say Nick, that I, I have. Talking, I want to tell you real quick. I was talking to one of the therapists at work, and he says he has a claim that claims to be an abductee, and he said that it's picking up for him as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, let, let's let's talk about that a minute because this is something that that really flew under the scene here uh, at a fairly distinct point in time, at least for me. Um, around 1990, probably around 1993 to 1995, uh, I had, at that point in my, my research, I had corresponded and communicated and had worked with and had, had made friends with, oh, I, I would say probably well over 100 uh, experiencers around the country. Uh, and not all at one time, but just by that time, I would say that was kind of the, you know, the communication or the networking base that I had uh, ended up with. But around that time period, 93 to 95, it seemed like a lot of the folks that I had stayed in touch with for several years and who had at one time been pretty active with uh, nocturnal alien visits, abduction experiences, missing time, uh, things started to go quiet. And now in some cases, uh, you know, life, of course, does move on. People people break up, people get divorced, people move, and they don't always tell you where they're moving to. And so there is sort of a natural yield of folks that just kind of fall out of touch. But uh, of, of a number of those that I did try to keep in touch with actively uh, for as long as I could, there was just this repeated motif or this repeated feeling that, well, maybe they're gone for good, maybe they're not, but things have been quiet and I'm not going to argue, so I'm not going to think about UFOs and aliens anymore. <laughs> and by by probably 1995, to me it seemed like the UFO contact and abduction subculture, if you want to call it that, in the United States had shifted enough to a kind of a quiescent or a, a low hum that, that that really was one of the factors that had prompted me to move into what was, at the time it seemed like maybe a little more of a classic paranormal study. Uh, in other words, time to go chasing after some ghosts since the aliens were all going quiet. And, you know, as, as I think you realize, that from about that time, maybe about 1995 or so, on to, um, truthfully, on up until almost the present, my uh, yeah, my focus had been much more on uh, classical paranormal 
theories, classical paranormal research, psychic research, um, energy healing research. And uh, in the back of my mind, though, it, it never was very far away. Uh, what had happened to the aliens? Where, you know, where were the alien interactions? Where did the UFOs go? And, of course, every so often there would be some high-profile sightings that you might read about on the news, but it just seemed like the folks who had once been getting taken in the middle of the night, that thing was like it was like a thing of the past, really. And so even I, on occasion, wondered, well, was this just some sort of a, like a cultural craziness that had happened within our collective consciousness or something? Well, uh, right around mid-spring of this past year, 2007, starting probably around April and moving into the fall, even the you know, late summer, early fall, I was contacted by a string of old acquaintances, some of whom I had not spoken with in like 14 years, and uh, probably all said and told, I would I would kind of whittle it down maybe to about eight, maybe eight to ten uh, folks uh, got back in touch with me from all around saying, I don't know what's going on, but they're back. Um, one in particular, uh, a lady in eastern Ohio whom I had not spoken with or had not contacted for like 14 years, by really strange synchronistic route, uh, we crossed paths again. And out of the blue, she said, yeah, it's it started up again in a big way. Uh, another abductee experiencer, uh, some of his encounters go back to Vietnam. Are they doing anything new with the abductees? Or well, that's you know that's a good question. You know what what's changed? And from what I've gathered, it's it's kind of like picking up about the same places they left off, but maybe with more of a sense of urgency. Um, the one fellow whom I've actually it's a it's a case that actually involves some uh, metal that supposedly fell from a UFO. Uh, the fellow at the center of that case was also a, an abductee. Uh, he went active around March or April, uh, having several encounters around his home with a little mini saucer, uh, this little thing that was buzzing around the home, uh, looking like sort of a silvery black walnut. And uh, you know, he also had some external sightings outdoors, you know, nocturnal lights flying over the property and such. But in his case, uh, some of the some of the you might call it the technique, like these little mini drones, these little mini saucers. Some of those were different. They, that was something he had not really experienced before. But as far as the personal feelings, the feelings of intrusion. The, the sort of high-energy buzz that he would get when he could feel that they were coming, that all seemed to be about the same. And so I, I guess to answer the question more succinctly, it seems like seems like whoever they are, they're picking up where they left off, but they're a lot more frantic about it this time. 
We had a question in the chat room. Um, she said that, Erin said that she's heard from a lot of psychics that the aliens and UFOs are going to be showing to themselves to us more in the next few years. Have you had any, you know, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, uh, I guess my, my main thought on that would be we'll have to wait and see, but uh, uh, one lady uh, who has a very interesting website and service that she's performed for abductees and contactees now for several years, a lady out of Virginia by the name of Bonnie Jean Hamilton, a wonderful lady, uh, just had swapped some emails with her recently, and she actually had blogged this on her MySpace and on her website that uh, things have gone active again for her. Her opinion, uh, and I think this is something that's echoed by a number of other experiencers and contactees as well, is that there is some kind of a a big pole shift, uh, a big earth uh, shift, earth changes, uh, some kind of a some kind of an energetic and even physical shift on our planet. And, you know, maybe it relates to the, the impending feeling about 2012, too. Uh, there's a quickening, almost, towards something that really is big and is going to be happening soon, and that the different alien races, the different alien groups are trying to get their licks in, get their agendas taken care of, get their chosen uh, vaccinated or something, I don't know, uh, before all of this happens. Now, what's interesting is that not just from the perspective of some of the contactee folks, but also uh, from a certain angle or a certain end of the Native American uh, perspective, there is something big and on on tap or en route. Um, very good friend of mine, uh, Cree Medi, uh, fellow up in Saskatchewan, who runs a heritage camp for both Indian and white youth. He's uh, doubled as a UFO scholar for a number of years also, and it's kind of a kind of a fascinating position he takes because he can relate uh, pre-lore and native lore with uh, modern ufology. And, you know, if one puts the question to him, why are the saucer people back? What do they want? Why, why the sense of quickening? Uh, his opinion is that the inevitable earth changes precipitated by the earth mother for a cleansing period are going to be cutting loose here very soon. Um, you know, it will be catastrophic in a number of ways, just as it will be cleansing and rejuvenating for the planet. But the sky people, as he refers to them, um, need to get their, as I said earlier, need to get their last licks in. Uh, they need to finish off their work, need to finish up the agendas, uh, plans, whatever they're doing, both both good factions and bad factions, before the caca really hits the fan. And now, in his perspective, that, that could be as much as... Yeah. What do you mean when you say a cleansing? Do you think that it's going to be the end of the world, or is it just going to be a shift in the world? I don't think it'll be the end of, of things physically. I think that there there is, even if I set aside my metaphysical beliefs, I think that there is 
there is a period in Earth's history, uh, speaking in terms of climate, at least, if not climate and changes to the, the biosphere, that we've never experienced before. I mean, we really have pooped in our sandbox. And if if you do believe that the Earth is sentient to some degree, that there is an Earth spirit or a, a Gaia um, spirit within the Earth, uh, you know, it's it's maybe it really is pissed off and out of control and it's about ready so to take... Well, I think Earth is a living organism, so of course she's going to, using she as a metaphor, she's going to preserve, be self-preserving. Yeah, and, and so, that, yeah. that I think that fits well with with uh, Lyle, my my Cree friend's uh, belief is that you know that it, it's not going to be a scouring of the planet. You know that the animal tribes will return, uh, people will will endure. Uh, there may be a lot of death. There may be a lot of social catastrophe. A lot of crashing of, of cultural systems, social systems, economies. Um, yeah, probably a lot of people will die from catastrophic weather shifts, but you know the human race will endure. I think he believes that fully, as do I. Now, what do I have to base that belief on? Well, it's, that's where faith comes into it, I guess. But um, no, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a matter of the planet is going to be bulldozed. Uh, you know, a la Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, but that is big enough that whatever and wherever, whatever the aliens are, wherever they are from, it's something that they're having to work with, work toward, work around, whatever. Now, do you think the aliens, <clears throat> excuse me, do you think that they walk with us? That I mean, I know we said that you think they're among us, but do you think that it's a conscious thing that they walk with us, you know, around us? Just you know, I don't know. I don't know if I could go quite as far as to say that they are physically walking around us cloaked or walking amongst like us sleeper cloaked. Sleeper Sleeper waiting to be awoken? Yeah, maybe a little more like that. I think, I think that the influence of the different alien groups is more, more astral or more psychic. And I think that there are people out there who are some, you might call them vessels, um, and there was a there was a term that was popular back in the 80s and early 90s called walk-ins, um, where you know you have somebody who has like a secondary soul or a secondary psyche that walks in from somewhere and either sets up shop inside you or takes control of things. Um, no, you know, a skeptic would say, well, that's just a, it's just an expression of uh, say like a uh, not bipolar um, disassociative Mental disorder or something. Right. Yeah, uh, but I, I I would have to say that I have come across people in my line and in my life that really do make me wonder whether or not uh, some humans are kind of like remote controlled. Uh, if you will, I mean, if you want to use that analogy, you know, we send remote-controlled robots to Mars. Uh, maybe they're sitting on their home world, ten thousand light years away, uh, psychically projecting or astrally projecting 
into the psyches of certain people here using us as remote controlled units on occasion. Um, you know, it, it might almost be kind of a sleek sci-fi way of saying possession. Mm. I'll tell you uh, a quick story, really, just really quick. I had, I, I wasn't into the whole alien thing, and it was, I had just started doing readings out of a metaphysical shop a few years back, and my husband kept telling me that the owner of it was alien. I mean, he just, he didn't like him. Um, mm -hmm. He barely knew him, but he kept saying, oh, he's alien. He looks alien, he acts alien, there's something not right with him, Christy. Anyhow, whether it was psychological or what have you, I astral traveled and wasn't into this room that was all white with these three gray aliens. And they looked like, you know, what you see on TV. And telepathically, they talked to me and said that I was messing with destiny by being, working in that metaphysical center around mm. that one particular person. And they said, we were really worried about you, Christy. We don't want you there. You need to get out soon. And it, I ended up, I did leave that place, but I didn't feel afraid or frightened. Right. But it made me more afraid of that person. You know. That well, I I, and that is that is similar to some of the feelings I've had. You know, I've sworn that some of the people I've met are, honest to gosh, tagged, if you will. Um, you know, you, you hate to think of people being a possession of something, but... Uh, but see, I didn't get the feeling that he, that this guy that they were talking about was working with them. It hmm. seemed like their enemy's vessel. You know, oh. like it was somebody of, you know, nothing to do with them because they came across as more of a kinder, gentler, and they were looking more the way that they made me feel. And again, it was very telepathic and empathically mm -hmm. with more of an evil side, more of a, hmm. you know, a dark side of it. So. Well, I think. A common factor that I've heard from a number of contactees recently is that um, they do generally believe that there are at least, that there are more than one factions that are in conflict at any given time. Uh, there are good, there are bad, there are indifferent. A uh, whole slew of agendas, possibly, a whole slew of races. Um, you know, what what one can make of that, I don't know. It's kind of like a big old cosmic Robert Ludlum novel. Uh, you know, you start reading it and you think you know who the good guys and the bad guys are, and then by about midway through the book, everything just turns upside down. Um, a huge spy novel. Who are, the, who are the enemies? Who are the real friends? And, of course, by the end of the book, then you, you slap your forehead and you say, wow, you know, I didn't expect that. So that, that's kind of how I view it. I... I I can't say that I entirely have discernment or wisdom enough to tell just who are positive and who are negative as far as humans are concerned, or as far as aliens are concerned toward humans. Uh, but I, I hold out hope that by the end of the novel, I will. How many species do they say there are of aliens? Oh, you know, well, of course, that depends on whether you believe anything that's told to a contactee by an alien. Uh you know, there there was a uh, actually an older fellow from Pennsylvania uh, contactee number of years back. He he claimed that he had been told or was aware that there were like twelve or thirteen um, alien races that had different agendas and timetables and uh, generally butted heads with each other. Uh, had puppets in governments, you know, it really gets into the crazy conspiracy theories. But, 
yeah, uh, 12, 12 races, 13 races. Um, I'd say there's at least a couple, and I, I say that not because I have any intimate knowledge of a distant alien home worlds. It's just that of all of the different types of entities, types of encounters, uh, you know, you'd say, well, there's two types. There's positive and there's negative. Well, there's a few more than that. Um, I'd say there's probably at least four or five flavors, if you will. Uh, whether that means that there's that many alien races, I don't know. But um, I'd say there's more than two. Are they non-gender, too, Mick? Are they typically like not male, not female? Well... See, a lot of that depends on whether or not you believe that the alien that you see is really what the alien looks like, or is it a convenient, culturally friendly cloaking image. Keep in mind that until about 1982, there really were very few reports of anything UFO alien-wise that looked like a gray but, Nick, do you think a gray is friendly-looking? Why wouldn't they come as something else? Well, and, that, you know, you make a good point there, that up until that point, if you read the old flying saucer lore from you know, magazines and reports from, like, the 50s and 60s, a lot of times there were, you had aliens that looked like benevolent humans, you know, tall blondes, oh. if you will, you know, like oh. Venusian goddesses. Uh, you also had ones that were sort of stumpy little, kind of green like Martian. little comical green men from Mars, uh, mm. little little dwarf-like aliens. But you really didn't have the scary gray-headed, bug-eyed types show up culturally on the scene till about 1982 or so. Um, but even after the grays became kind of a cultural icon, whether that's their true image or not, you did also have, and you do still have, people who have both physical and astral encounters with aliens that look a lot more benign, like humans. So even even through the, the golden age of the grays, you know, like from like 1985 to 1995, when it seemed like everybody that was being abducted was being abducted by a gray, you still did have you still had variation. There were people who were experiencing alien encounters with entities that looked very benevolent humans. Uh, sometimes you would find grays that would be in the same craft as a human-looking alien. Um, you know, maybe that, maybe that's some kind of a complex good cop bad cop kind of thing. But uh, uh, you know the. The thought amongst a number of researchers is that the gray image was some kind of a cloaking image that conformed itself to project the feeling of alienness. We had come to think of aliens as being little big-headed creatures after, say, the Close Encounters of the Third Kind film. And there actually were some very good researchers uh, who carefully tracked the appearance of the gray in UFO reports in other countries and found that it did tend to lockstep with the 
playing of close encounters of the third kind. But the interesting thing was in some you know some European Southern European countries, African countries, the people who reported the greys didn't necessarily ever had to have seen close encounters of the third kind. So it's almost like it was an image that was being picked up on and projected into the collective consciousness as a convenient cloaking image, but not necessarily having to do with, you know, if you've seen the movie, then any alien that you encounter from thereafter is going to look like a gray. Very interesting, very complex effect. Uh, Whether they really are gray with big heads and black eyes, I don't know. But I do know that people have reported many other types of aliens. Right. Yeah. Hey, Nick, we have a question in the chat room. Um, One of our guests in the chat room had an experience where she was seven years old and this small, really small ship, um, she said it was like the size of one of those Simon Says toys, you know, like that size. Oh, yeah. Right. Floated into her, she was staying at a friend's house, floated into the living room and hovered above the coffee table. Have you ever heard of such a small thing coming in? I I have over the years heard of a number of accounts of mini saucers. Uh, now, for example, uh, the one fellow I mentioned a little earlier from central Ohio, he had been having these little walnut-sized things flying around in his room. But uh, apart from that, uh, yeah, another friend of mine from uh, sort of the same area, central Ohio, over near Newark, uh, had a sighting not too long ago of a kind of a silvery white glowing ball that appeared to be pacing her car for a couple of miles, and then it finally flew over the top and disappeared. That thing, whatever it was, was about the size of a softball. Um maybe a little larger. Uh, Another uh, case that came my way a few years ago happened down uh, in southern Ohio near Cincinnati, between Cincinnati and Dayton. A fellow who's a a retired chemist was getting off of I-75 on an exit, and there was this black floating object that was kind of like a box. It was rectangular, almost like a little floating monolith in the air. Uh, dive-bombed his car, crashed into the windshield, and then flipped up and over and then flew off. Um, so mini saucers have been reported, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, now, it was a double-decker you know, Does that mean they shrink you down and they take you on board the mini saucer? <laughs> I, I don't know. There, there's... I think mini saucers also come hunting uh, fortune dolls too. Uh, if you get my drift, For your your Fortuna doll had an encounter with a little mini saucer. I seem to recall. When? Huh? On your photo. Uh, oh my... yeah, my photo. That damn UFO oh. won't leave yeah, me alone. It's <laughs> always around us too. Whenever we take, for some reason, we have this UFO around us. That UFO cracks me up. <laughs> she laughs so hard that I just appease her and let her do it. Yeah, okay. yeah, but it takes me a little while to get the drift of what you're saying. You've got to spell <laughs> it out. In the picture, Amy. Yeah, yeah, in the picture. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Nick, have you ever had a UFO abduction experience? I I have never had a missing time 
I I have had some out of body experiences um, either in a dream form or while I was doing some act, astral projection practice where I ran into something that appeared to be non-human. Um, there have been a couple of occasions, maybe three occasions in my life, uh, when I've seen a nocturnal light, for example, that I couldn't really place even after going down through the mental checklist. Okay, you know, is it a balloon? Is it a... Uh, is it an airplane? Is it a balloon? Is it a helicopter? Is it landing lights? Um, what color is it? Does the color correspond to anything you know, resembling an aircraft light, so on and so forth? I've had two or three occasions where I've seen um, some unusual colored lights or extremely bright lights that were moving. Uh, there was another, no, well, now that you mention it, there was another occasion, I wrote this up in a little report a couple of years ago, 19, no, 2003, uh, a fellow engineer uh, where I was working at the time and I, we were having a candy bar and Coca-Cola break uh, out the back door of the building in Perrysburg, Ohio, which is near Toledo. And it was in the middle of winter. Uh, it was quite cold. Uh, I think it was like January of 2003, maybe. Really cold, bright sunny day, brilliant, beautiful day out, standing out at the back, looking up at the bright blue sky, just you know, sort of marveling at the solar radiation, and uh, all of a sudden, my, my friend uh, looked up and, and he said, what the hell is that? And I looked where he was looking, and over the course of probably about a minute and a half, there were like six or seven pairs of very, very high, kind of shiny, silvery white, almost like half-moon-shaped things, way, way, way up. You know, you know, I was hard to say whether they were something airplane-sized that was really super high or if they were a lot larger and a lot even further away. They didn't appear to be birds. There was no movement. They seemed to be stiff-winged objects, kind of silvery white, um, half moon with a little bit of a crescent shape to them, flying in pairs. And they had kind of a wobbly motion, almost like you would expect, say, like on a kite or something, kind of wavering this way and that. But they were all generally heading south to north, as if they were maybe headed across the lake toward Detroit or something. Um, now, I wish, obviously, I would have had binoculars or a telescope at that point. But uh, from what I could see with my naked eye, they they did not appear to be moving like any airplane I could have identified, uh, nor did they appear to be birds at all. I don't know what they were. It was That was pretty interesting. Hey, Nick, we have another question in the chat room. Yeah. They want to know, why is the U.S. so behind on... Um acknowledging UFOs. Why is who so behind? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. The U.S. The United States. Oh, I don't know. You know, on, on one hand, you'd say, well, compared to whom? You know, I think there has been there has been some movement in some of the other countries around the world maybe over the past two or three years. I know France came out 
a couple of years ago, I think, with some of their old files. Uh, I think England may have even done the same. Oh, I I don't know. You know, there's so many so many ways you could go on that. The U.S. always wants to explain it away, like the stuff that was over Texas. I think. Yeah, well, you'd say why why does uh, new cancer research always seem to hit the U.S. last? Um, You know, why does alternative healing always seem to end up in the U.S. last? Um, I think there is there is kind of a a scientific mafia, if you will. Uh, or a scientific mafia mindset in the U.S. that is not quite as apparent in other countries. For example, you can go to uh, Germany, you can go to the U.K., you can go to Russia, and you will find conferences and seminars and and, uh, programs where legitimate scientists, physicists, chemists, can discuss things, say, like cold fusion or... Um, anti-gravity, time travel, new energy, um, fairly freely, uh, or energy healing, for example. But here in the United States, man, that's a kiss of death. If you're a tenured faculty at a university and somebody catches you writing a paper offline about you know, magnetic healing, for example, or time travel or something like that, uh, you know, you're you are in danger of getting drummed out of the community, uh, or at least blacklisted forever. So there, there's a there's a culture of scientific smugness in the U.S. that I don't think exists elsewhere in the world, and maybe that has something to do with, it. or it may be that uh, yeah, we're the superpower that has all the crashed saucers hidden somewhere too. I, I don't know. <laughs> Hey, I was watching a thing on Fort Knox, and they were saying that they hide all their aliens in there that they, you know, want to do tests on, because really you can't get into Fort Knox. Well, that probably would be about as safe a place as you could find anywhere. I've I've never been into the bowels of Fort Knox. Obviously, I've been been near it and have uh, you know seen some of the uh, the outer uh, perimeter security measures. Um, Love to take a tour there sometime, but yeah, you know, there's as far as the the Area 51 thing, um, I, I would imagine that if there really are crashed retro-engineered craft or dead aliens, I, I really doubt whether they're kept in one place very long, uh, or if they are, they're kept in a place that no one is guessing. And there's just too many people know about Area 51. There was a, about 10 years ago, there was some hubbub in eastern Ohio, uh, sort of near Youngstown, between Youngstown and Cleveland. Uh, There was an old, apparently an old Air Force base, a small one that had been reactivated or recommissioned uh, near a place called Mosquito Lake Reservoir, that... There was some rumor going around the UFO community in Ohio and Pennsylvania that this was going to be the new repository for all the the neato crashed recovered stuff that was at Area 51. They were going to move it to move it to Cleveland. Go figure. Um, I I never heard anything more about that though. That may just have been a real harebrained cracker story. I don't know. We heard that Cleveland was the U.S. capital of vampires. 
Yeah, well, yeah, Cleveland's got vampires. Yeah, got you know what, Nick? I everything. actually did contact that woman that you told me. She hasn't replied yet. Oh, she has Nick not. Okay. me a contact name for um, a woman in the underground vampire society. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. hopefully she will. I think she would... She's very cordial for for doing interviews and such. I know mean, she's probably also got a schedule that's a mile long too. Uh, she does a lot of TV appearances, but um, yeah, I, I think you'll hear back from her eventually. Well, I actually had to contact her publicist, and she's got two of them, so I contacted. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, she's yeah, she's moving along there then. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland. We're looking for one. We're looking for one, and she's got two. <laughs> Yeah, Cleveland. Um, Cleveland's got a lot of strange things. It's got it, it has quite a history of UFO sightings. Uh, has a couple of the the oldest saucer clubs in the United States. Uh, one of which, the CUP, the Cleveland Ufology Project. I'd spoken for them a number of times in the past. And there's a lot of uh, ghosts, a lot of monsters, a lot of weirdos lurking in the alleys, and and geeks that bite off chicken heads too. So. Yeah, it's 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 quite a circus. Oh, Ozzy doesn't live there anymore. No, 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 Ozzy doesn't. Um, I went. I actually we honeymooned in Cleveland. Go figure. But I liked Cleveland. Amy hates when I say I got a good vibe out of Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland doesn't necessarily give me any kind of a bad vibe. It's just it's just kind of spook central, weird central, I guess. You know, it's the place to be if you do love to chase anomalies. Right. Yep, that's the place to be, Amy. We're going to Cleveland. Go to Cleveland. Well, they've got good got good pierogies and beer too. They do, and they have the Alice Cooper's restaurant then. That sounds like a recipe for stomach distress. Pierogies and beer. Yeah. Well, you gotta yeah, you gotta you gotta do Cleveland polka, I guess. Then if you're gonna eat that. So, Nick, we um, are coming up on the 9 o'clock hour, and we have really enjoyed having you on, and we hope you come back, because I have some more questions I wanted to ask you, but, alas, they didn't get asked. Oh, well, you're you're very welcome. I've enjoyed being here, you know, like I kind of mentioned to you in, in email, you know, it's sort of like uh, back 1978, the first guy in high school to to be able to take home Mac, and it's like, <laughs> wow, I'm I'm just so honored here to be amongst the ladies. Uh, but seriously, we you, are you honored to have you. We really. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, you you guys put on uh, you you put on a wonderful show every week. I I regret that I don't have a chance to listen to it all the time. I mean, I do try to catch one once in a while, but. Uh, um, well, we're always in the archives. Yep, that you are. That you are. Our show will go on forever in archives. <laughs> no, because we're getting picked up to bigger and better things. Yeah, but this, these shows will always be in the archives. These shows will always be in the archives. All of our woes and complaints and our wonderful guests. Well, if it's uh, anywhere on the Internet, it's forever anyway. So. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. I love that's that funny. commercial. I, I when still the guy, like... I love oh, that commercial ahead. when the guy's, you know, surfing the Internet, and he goes, okay, I'm done. I've seen it all. <laughs> yeah. You know, I... Back in around 1989, 1990, I had, was when I had published in some little journals some of the first of the articles that I wrote about abductions. 
And, I mean, that was long before I even had a computer at home. I had to use the computer where I worked to type up a lot of that. But just just a couple of years ago, every so often, I will come across I will come across butchered copies of my old, old, old stuff. You know, from literally, it's going to be coming up on 20 years ago. You know, somebody hacked it in or typed it into a, you know, a UFO website, and it got picked up by another UFO website, picked up by another one. You know, just last year, I came across a, like a, an excerpt or maybe like half of a paper that I wrote in 1990. Hey, Nick. Yeah. We're almost at 9 o'clock, so... I know you are. <laughs> come oh, back. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm at the Blackhawk again. <laughs> you gotta stop. You gotta stop. I don't, I don't stop easily. I am kind of an okay. Energizer bunny. Well, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Okay. Well, thank you, ladies, okay. very much for having me. Bye, Bye Nick. We love you. Okay. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Goodbye. Okay. So that was Nick Ritter of the Avalon Foundation. He is um, just so knowledgeable in the ufology that we had to have him on because of all the recent UFO stuff going on. And um, he next really week, is so knowledgeable. He yeah. should be a teacher. He is in not that he's in the long, you know, the wrong kind of work, but he's a fantastic teacher. He is, and he's a great friend. And um, next week we have some of the cast from Paranormal State. We have the demonologists that are on Paranormal State coming on. And we also have a voice and angel coming on. So we have a little demon and a little angel. Isn't that exciting? That is exciting. I was waiting to see if you wanted me to comment. I am always excited. You should know that. <laughs> I'm just smiling from ear to ear. Woohoo! Okay, so Christy, I will talk to you tomorrow and next week. So everyone come back, same time, same back channel. And uh, bye. Love and horror. You've been listening to Para Women Radio. It's like girl talk, only these girls don't talk about makeup and clothing. They talk about the bizarre, the strange, and the supernatural. Join us next time on Para Women Radio with the extraordinary paranormal women.